The following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Discovering God's will. And the servant, as he goes out, he, he prays and he says in verse uh, 14, he says, This is my request. I ask that, um, I ask, I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, Yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too, let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. And there's this real sense among, uh, the, with the servant, that God. This is not random. That God has a very specific person that God has chosen and selected as Isaac's bride. And as believers, as Christians, we, we come this morning, we have this sense, I hope, that God uh, is, is very intentional about his plan and purpose in the world and in our life. And that when we come to big decision points in our life and maybe even small decision points, there's a sense that God's that it matters to God how we decide, right? Uh, whether it's uh, a young person deciding who they should marry or where they should go to college as we get older, what career path we take. Um, do we go to the mission field or do we serve God in our own home country? If we go to the mission field, where, you know? And uh, we all, I think, have a sense that God has specific, a specific will and purpose for us. And that it's not random, it's not arbitrary, that God has a choice in it. And we want to know and sense what God's choice is. So we want to know what God's will is in these things. We want to have a clear direction because we know that God's will and purpose is always better than ours. That's our, our hope and our conviction and belief. So let's look at, through how the story how the servant sorted out God's will. How did he identify what God's will was? Um, and there are some good tests that I think will be very practical for us and then we can apply in our own life. So let's uh, read through, starting in verse 15. Uh, Before he had finished praying, uh, the servant saw a young woman named Rebekah coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. Rebekah was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She, she went, up, uh, went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, Please give me a, a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she answered. Have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll water your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all his camels, all ten of them. We talked last week, that's potentially 500 gallons. Okay, no small task. The servant watched her in silence, which is in itself a very humorous picture. Okay, it says that she went down into the spring. It was probably a large pit dug in the ground that actually had a stair spiraling down into this big hole in the ground. Now picture this, you know, three-gallon jug, up the stairs, dump water down the stairs. Up the stairs, dump water down the stairs. You know, and the servant's watching this dizzying activity as she runs up and down these stairs. Okay. Um, as he watches her in silence, he's wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. 
Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he got out a gold ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrists. Whose daughter are you? he asked. And please tell me, would your father have any room to put us up for the night? I am the daughter of Bethuel, she replied. My grandparents are Nahor and Milcah. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for guests. The man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. Um, Let's look and see how he knew it was God's will. Um, First off, and and basically I've I've outlined this as as a, a series of tests. Okay. Anytime we have a decision, anytime we're faced with a, uh, an idea, a thought, a, a goal that we believe or we want to know if it's God's will, we need to put those things to the test. And that's exactly what he does. And there are uh, several tests that he does. And the first is the test of sovereign choice. He says, God, I want to know uh, the person you have selected. Right? Now, this is a good principle and a good place to start. Um, knowing God's will is the conviction that God has made a choice or a decision in a matter. And so the first thing we want to ask is, this, is this a matter of God's sovereign choice? Now, uh, it's, it's possible to... This is, a, this is a principle that needs to be kept in balance, okay? I believe very much that God has made certain choices about our life, that God has a plan and a direction, and there are some things that are very much in the hands of God's sovereign choice or will. But at the same time, not everything in our life is dictated by God's sovereign will. Okay? I mean, I've heard people do this. They get up in the morning and they pray earnestly that God would lead them to his will concerning the shirt they should wear. Okay, now I'm not so sure God's really up there going through your closet every morning thinking red would be good or blue or purple or green. I don't know. I just don't know if that's really the intent here. And, and so as we consider God's will, the first place to start is, is this an area that God has made clear that it's, it's his sovereign choice? Or is this an area of life that God has given us freedom and many possible options? Uh, and it would be really tempting to come up with a formula of what falls into which category. Uh, but I'm not sure it's always that clear cut and dry. And so a good place to start is to just go before God and say, God, in all things, I want to know your will. Is this an, an area that is uh, clearly something you have a specific, clear, direct plan for me? Or is this something that is within the bounds of my free choice? Right? So that's the first place to start. Um, God gives us oftentimes a great deal of flexibility and freedom. Uh, and... There are many significant decisions, and certainly the more significant the decision, the more weighty, the more long-term its impact on our life, the more likely that God has some purpose in it. Um, And so it's good to seek God, and we should always be seeking God um, about those things. Uh, At the same time, there's a lot of things about God's will that he's already made very clear and direct. You know, uh, a lot of times people try to seek God's will, seek God's sovereign choice in areas where God's already made it clear what his choice is. I remember one time I was teaching uh, a group of nationals in another country, and um, it was a little Bible college. And one of the students at the Bible college was having some real issues. There was a, a husband and wife, very young, but they were married at the school together. And 
uh, they were having huge marital problems. And interesting, all the college staff, the, the teachers and professors, and all of the students had decided that it was God's will that they should get divorced, that the wife was defective, okay, and she had some problems, she had some significant issues. Uh, none of them, though, were moral issues. Uh, mostly she was kind of just crazy. And, uh, and come to find out there were very good reasons why she was crazy. And, uh, I started, and it was one of those deals where they started asking me generically, when could a person get divorced? Here I'm teaching, you know. When, when is it okay for a person to get divorced? You know, and I'm speaking hypothetically. Well, I find out it's a real situation, right? Well, when I found out what they were really talking about, I said, look, God's will and purpose is always that there is reconciliation in relationships, okay? It's never God's purpose and will uh, for a couple to be divorced, okay? Now, sometimes there are exemptions. There are times when God has allowed it, but never because it's his first choice, right? And, uh, of course, here I'm dealing with, you know, all the students, all the Bible college staff who have already made up their mind that this is not, this is God's will for them to get divorced. Well, uh, you know, clearly we don't have to worry about God's sovereign choice when he's already made clear what his choice is, right? So that's the first test. Has God made clear specific things about his will already that we know, that I don't have to search and seek out because he's made it clear and obvious. But at the same time, uh, are there things where God gives us free choice on our own? Uh, so we need to put these plans to the test. Um, and uh, if we decide, yeah, I think God may have something specific and clear that he wants to lead me in, how do I test that? How do I um, check that the decisions I'm making are according to his purpose and will? Well, the next test we want to go to is the prayer test. And I love that this servant has prayed carefully through this, right? Um, it sounds kind of obvious and plain and simple, but a great thing to always ask yourself when you're about to make any kind of decision, when you're about to make any kind of plan, when you're setting up goals for your life or your ministry or whatever, ask yourself a simple question. Have I been praying about this? Right? Have I been taking this before God in prayer? Uh, it's amazing how often if we were to ask ourselves that question, the answer would be embarrassing, right? It's like, oh yeah, that prayer thing. That prayer thing. We forget that prayer thing, right? Um, how often we just blindly charge ahead thinking that because I'm convinced it's the right thing to do, it must be God's will, right? Because clearly God, you know, counsels with me, and if he needs advice, he asks me, right? Because I got it figured out. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, a lot of times it's clear and, it seems clear and obvious to us, but no matter how clear and obvious it is, we ought to be taking it to God in prayer. Saying, God, this is my plan. This is what I think is obvious to me. This seems reasonable and rational. But God, I want to lay this before you in prayer and see what you, what you have to say about it. Because the reality is, oftentimes, God's purpose and plan is not rational. It's not what makes sense. Right? Oftentimes, God wants to do extreme things that to us seem ridiculous. Right? And it's always good to lay before God um, what we are thinking about. Uh, and really saying, God, this is what I want to do. This is what makes sense to me. But always to go with a, an attitude that says, God, but what I really want is your will. That's what the servant says. He goes to prayer because he says, look, I, I'm on a mission. I'm committed to do this for my master, but I'm laying all this before you because I want what you are doing. 
I want to be open to what you are choosing and where you are working. Right? So it's a good, simple thing to do. Ask yourself, have I really been praying about this? Have I really been seeking God and listening? And, you know, prayer is not telling God. And here this is important. When I, when I say praying, it doesn't mean telling God what his will is, right? I've, I've done that a lot. The sin of convincing God my will, his will for my life, right? Not that kind of prayer. I mean going before God, listening, laying things before God and say, God, speak into this situation your purpose and your will. Uh, the third test is uh, the test of confirmation, the confirmation test. Uh, and I think this is a very fair and legitimate thing to do. As you sense God leading, as you prayed about things, as you feel a direction, uh, I think it's very fair to say, God, I need some kind of tangible confirmation that I'm on the right path here. And normally this comes in, some kind of, in the form of some kind of circumstances that we see God's hand arranging, right? <clears throat> and I think this is very fair. I think it's, it's a good thing to ask. And it's exactly what the servant here asks. He says, and he kind of, the servant arranges it himself, right? He says, here, I, I got an idea, God. I'm going to stand here by this well, see the well, uh, and pretty soon all the young ladies of the village are going to come out to get water for the day. And uh, I got a brilliant idea. I got these ten very thirsty camels here. I'm going to ask one of these ladies for a cup of water. And if they randomly on their own volunteer to run up and down this spring about 400 times and water these ten thirsty camels, I'll take that as a sign from God. Okay? And that would be a sign from God. Right? And um, so that will give me some confirmation that I'm on the right track here. And of course, that's exactly what happens. Rebecca first went out of the chute, so to speak, uh, asked her for a drink. She says, yeah, and let me water your camels too. And uh, off she charges. It says she runs down to the spring. I mean, she doesn't just do this kind of half-heartedly. She's excited about watering these camels, right? And so he gets that confirmation. Uh, I think very often God uses and will use, especially if we prayerfully ask for it, he will use circumstances to confirm his will and his purpose in our life. Now, I believe he does it. Uh, let me give a, a word of warning, though. A lot of people want to base God's will solely on this one thing, right? It's like, well, if this is God's will, he'll confirm it, and that's all I need, okay? I would suggest that's not a good idea. I think you need multiple tests. And the problem with this, this approach, it's good. I think God uses it. He uses it here. The problem is... Who devised the test? Well, here the servant did, right? And usually we arrange uh, the circumstances, we're not arrange the circumstances, but we evaluate the circumstances based on our own perception, right? And it's very easy to get ourselves in trouble here. I believe God confirms it, but we always got to hold that loosely as only one of God's uh, means of leading us into his will, okay? And it's interesting, the servant's quite aware of that. He's watching this girl very energetically run up and down, watering his camels. And notice what he says. He doesn't say, bingo, this is the one. Praise God. Bow down and start worshiping, right? That's not what he does. It says that the, service, the servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. Oh, you know, it's like this girl. Who would do this? You know, it seems like this is obvious. God's, this is it. The servant says, no, uh, he was smart enough to know 
there were other things that had to fall in place. There were other parameters and boundaries and other conditions on the kind of person he, that he needed to find. Right? And so this helps, but it wasn't absolutely convincing. Okay? There are other tests that he's got to apply before he knows for sure. Now at this point, he's got to be getting quite excited um, because it seems that God is giving a confirming circumstance, but he's holding it loosely. Uh, here's a good example of how this can work and how we can manipulate it to our own end. Uh, way back nine years ago, ten years ago, uh, I really felt God calling us to come to Thailand. And uh, he had put in my heart that this was his will. And at the time, I really wasn't very crazy about the idea. And uh, I didn't like it, okay? That God had made it very clear what his will was, but I wasn't clear about his will because I didn't like it and I wasn't really receptive to it. So I thought, well, I'll put out a confirming circumstance. I'll confirm God's will, but I'm not going to make it easy on God, okay? I'm going to make it hard. And so what I said is, God, I'll go to Thailand if you bring in my support, but I'm not going to go fundraising. I'm not going to go on deputation. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to do that. If you want me to go, you just got to send the money, right? And I, I, I kind of plea bargained with God, and I did write one letter. So I sent out one letter, and I think, this is not going to work. I'm off the hook, right? Well, guess what? Six weeks later, from one letter, all of our support comes in. <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> okay. Now, other people who are dying to go, see, they, they would give anything for that kind of thing. Um, but the thing is, uh, I did not base coming to Thailand on that one thing alone. Okay? The thing is, I knew before that what God's will was. Right? I really didn't need that confirmation, but... God in his grace and his patience um, didn't zap me, which he could have. He was very kind and gracious, right? Uh, but I had to base God's will on more than just that one thing. Uh, <clears throat> so God does that and he blesses us and it's a good thing to do, but we need to be careful how we use that. It's easy to manipulate things uh, to really bend our will, impose our will, not God's. Third test. Or the next test, I lost count. Uh, the character test. Okay? Uh, part of what the servant does here is he puts a test on God to confirm by circumstances the right choice. But the test he devises is also a test of the girl. Right? And uh, you know, he's testing what kind of person she is. Okay, somebody who would show this kind of extraordinary hospitality who would show this kind of industry and ingenuity and energy. He was a very unique kind of person. And remember, his commission was not just to find a girl, right? He didn't have to go several hundred miles away to do that. There were girls in, Can in Canaan. Okay, there were girls just right down the street. There were girls around the neighborhood where Isaac lived. Uh, Abraham's concern was that he find the right kind of person to be a wife for Isaac, right? Because what's at stake here is God, the fulfillment of God's promise. What's at stake here is uh, the future nation of Israel that God has promised to him. And uh, Abraham just doesn't want to trust the mother of the nations, the mother of the fulfillment of promise to just anybody. He wants a person who displays a certain kind of character and quality fitting to his son. Right? And he's very picky and selective. And so he gives uh, a number of conditions and a number of expectations to the servant of what he's looking for. It can't be a Canaanite girl. It needs to be somebody from my own family. Uh, and, and it's kind of implied here that I'm looking for a kind of girl who will make a, not just a wife, 
but a good wife who will have the qualities that represent our family, what we stand for. And so he tests that. And it's interesting, uh, the, the picture that's portrayed here of her hospitality parallels very closely Abraham's own hospitality when the visitors come uh, earlier in the story of, of Abraham. And he energetically uh, goes out and kills the calf and makes the bread and shows great hospitality. Right, so she's cut of the same mold as, as Abraham. Um, God's will will always be in line with God's character. Right? And as we consider God's will and as we evaluate goals and purpose, ideas, we should always evaluate them in light of God's character. Right? Uh, if, you, if you don't clearly understand who God is, you will not understand his will. And the more we understand the nature of God, the more clear his will be, will become to us the more obvious it will be the things that reflect his character and his doing. Right? I mean, here's a girl who matches. She's hardworking, energetic, hospitable, kind. Okay, the kind of things that represent God's own character and nature. A um, good example of this in our own ministry, our children's home, Bonson Mike Children's Home that the church supports, um, we really felt like in positions of influence, as in the people who take care of her, the house parents for the kids, that we didn't want to just pick anybody. That we wanted people who were strong Christians, who were mature, who showed, demonstrated godliness, because they were going to be the people most impacting these kids, right? So we set very high standards. We also set the standard that they be college graduates, right? Because we felt like we wanted them to have a certain character, um, that's been put to the test because these people are really hard to find, people who show godliness, maturity, Christian character. Uh, we just spent six months trying to locate one staff person that we needed. Um, had lots of applicants, but we turned many away because they didn't really meet the level of quality of person we wanted, right? Because we felt God's will would meet, measure up to a certain standard of quality, of character. Okay, if some of you young people, high school students, whatever, you're dating, right? And you want to know if it's God's will for you to date this person or date that person. Right? Uh, remember, there's a standard of character. And I've heard this many times. Well, you know, he's not a Christian, but he's a really nice guy. And he's good looking. Right? So I think it's okay if I date him. And we're not getting married, we're just dating. Right? Right? Is that the character that would fit God's will? Right? Um, you know, you know, I've heard this too. Well, you know, we're dating and they're not really helping me grow in Christ. In fact, since I've been dating this person, my walk with Christ has been slipping. But she loves me. He loves me. So it must be God's will, right? Well, God's will will always be in line and at a standard of his character. So we can always test and should always test. Uh, does it fit God's compassion, his holiness, his justice, goodness? Is it bringing glory to him? Is it something that's extending honor to God? Or is it being self-serving? The next test, uh, the condition test. Uh, The the girl's finished watering the camels. He's still pondering. He's still contemplating. Is this really the one? There's one more condition, okay? Remember what the condition was? Abraham said, you need to find somebody from my family, okay? So he... He's not convinced yet because there's one more condition. Is she family? So he asks her, he says, whose daughter are you? Okay, what family do you belong to? Okay, it's not God's will if it doesn't meet all the conditions laid out. Right? 
And she says, well, I'm, uh, basically, I'm, I'm Abraham's great niece. <laughs> Hallelujah! I found her, bingo! Right? The guy bows down right there on the ground. He starts worshiping God. He says, praise God. He has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master. This is the one. I know now that this is the one because I've met all the conditions of God's will. Um, God has often revealed clearly certain conditions about his purpose and will and plan. Um, uh, and it's clear in Scripture, right? Uh, we need to always evaluate God's will in line with what God has already revealed clearly about his purpose and will, right? And uh, we should start with prayer and we should end with serious study of God's word of how what we're planning, thinking, of, you know, seeking, how does it line up with the conditions of Scripture? Right? Another good illustration, uh, I knew a guy once, he was a pastor of a church in a very affluent part of the city where he lived. And uh, he decided it was God's will, and he actually used these terms. Uh, he had convinced himself that it was God's will uh, for him to buy a really fancy car. I think it was a Jaguar, right? Now, uh, now I don't know that it was or was not, I mean, I don't know that it was wrong for him to buy a Jaguar, but his terms were that he had prayed about this and was convinced it was God's will, right? Well, does that really meet with, and his justification was this, you know, it's God's will, I need to buy this car. It wasn't just an optional thing. He said, I need to buy this car as part of my ministry because I live in this very affluent community and I need to impress these people that, you know, I'm like them that God can live up to the standard of living of all these wealthy people that he was working with, right? And so if I, if, if my, by driving this Jaguar, I will be a better witness to the gospel. <laughs> anyway, he's telling me all this, and I'm just trying to keep a straight face and not just burst out laughing, right? Because I'm thinking, you know, you, you've been smoking too much of something because you, you, that just does not make sense, right? And I can think of many scriptures. One of what, you know, 1 Corinthians 2 says, And when I came to you, Paul speaking, and I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among, among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and trembling in my jaguar. <laughs> you know, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So there's lots of biblical principles that would guide us. Um, now, again, I don't know if it was wrong for him to buy the fancy car or whatever, but to argue that this is God's will and purpose, I think is contrary to a lot of biblical conditions, a lot of things in Scripture that would speak differently. Right? So we always want to put, that, uh, put everything clearly under the lens of Scripture. Okay, are there clear teachings in Scripture that would speak to what I'm trying to do here? And there are. There are God's Word is very clear and explicit uh, on His purpose and how we should be doing things and what we should be doing. Final test, uh, the, the servant bows down in worship, the worship test. If we are truly serious about God's will, as God reveals it, the result should be true worship on our part. Right? There should be some genuine sense of God's favor and love for us. And that's exactly what he feels. He says, God, you have shown un, uh, unfailing love and kindness to my master. All right? There should be a genuine sense 
that God does indeed have a purpose and plan for our life. And his revelation of it is a, is a matter of his grace and his love. That he's showing us the good things he wants for us. And uh, it's a blessing to walk in those things. Well, that's, that's discovering God's will. That's kind of the easy part. Uh, now he's got one more task. Okay, he knows now God's will. He's convinced. I mean, he knows Rebecca's the one. He gives her gold earrings and bracelets, okay? It's kind of a random thing to do for the stranger, you know? He all of a sudden starts throwing expensive gold jewelry at you. She takes it. Sure. Um, she runs home excited. You know, this guy's throwing gold at me. I don't know what he's about, but uh, he's excited about something, right? Uh, her, her brother Laban sees the gold, and he's excited about something. He runs, to, he runs to meet the servant. He goes and he you know, shows up and here's this guy standing by the well with ten camels loaded with treasures. And uh, Laban's eyes get this big around. And we find out later on that this is kind of Laban's character. He's easily influenced by material things. Okay? He, likes, he, he was attracted to the jaguar. Okay? And he's seeing jaguars in his future as well. Um, but the, the servant has a huge task ahead of him because what he's got to do now is he's got to convince these pagan people who don't know Abraham's God so well, um, who l- probably love their daughter and have visions of her living close by home where they can enjoy the grandchildren, that it's God's will for her to go several hundred miles away to a family they don't know uh, personally and marry some guy she's never met, right, because this is God's will. Okay, imagine you selling this, okay? Uh, he's got his work cut out for him. But he is committed to the task, and uh, notice how he convinces others of God's will. Uh, he goes, uh, they unpack the camels. Laban is quite the host, um, partly perhaps because he's just a very hospitable person. Maybe it's a nature or characteristic of this family. Uh, it does seem that uh, Laban is also quite excited about the jewels and treasures that are on the camels. And he says, okay, let's eat. Uh, let's have a feast. And notice the first thing the serpent says, verse 33. He says, I don't want to eat until I have told you why I have come. Uh, first thing we see is this, the servant has a great sense of urgency. Okay? He's discovered now God's will. He knows absolutely conclusively what God's will is. And he will not rest until he sees God's will carried out. Right? He says, no, I can't eat, I can't do anything until I settle this. Um, and he begins to unfold this plan. And the first thing he says, he says, I want you to know that my master Abraham is loaded to the gills. Right? He has camels, he has servants, he has gold, he has silver. He's you know, invested in, I don't know, what's a good company that's not dying right now? He's invested stocks wisely. Uh, he's he's raked it, raking in the money, right? Uh, now, on one hand, of course, uh, this seems kind of um, fleshly, uh, but it's 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 an assurance that you know what I'm about to ask you is reasonable. Okay, I'm not asking <clears throat> for Rebecca to go live in in dirt poverty; she'll be well taken care of. Uh, this is a family that God has blessed, and it's not just that He's wealthy, but He puts it in these terms. He says, "The Lord has greatly blessed my master." And the implication is that what God has done in the past, he will continue to do in the future, right? 
Uh, when you are trying to convince people of God's will, uh, one of the first things that will come up is, okay, well, that's all good and well, but how's it going to get paid for, right? Uh, who's going to pay for this? Well, one of the great things of becoming convinced in your heart and mind of God's will is we know that when God plans something, when God has made clear what he is going to do, we can be absolutely confident he will provide fully for it, right? There's, there should never be a question in our mind if, if we know clearly what God's will is, how it will be paid for. Because God has promised he will always provide fully for everything that is his plan, right? Now we get ourselves in trouble oftentimes because we haven't really taken steps to confirm God's will and we jump off and do things that really were not things he promised, not things that he clearly led us to. And then there's lack of provision and we get in trouble and we get into a financial bind and we... We wonder what went wrong. But we never have to worry about that when we're absolutely convinced of God's will and purpose. Right? We can know certainly that when God has made his will clear, he will provide. He will meet all the needs. Uh, you know, my, my, my effort to get out of coming to Thailand by putting this test on God was foolish. It was foolish. It was just the dumbest thing ever because I should have known if it was God's will, he's going to provide, and he did. Right? And the same is true for each of us. Wherever you are in life, whatever you're doing in ministry, whatever God calls you to, you don't have to worry about his provision. Now, you may have to wait for it. Uh, it may not come instantly. God may test that. But God will always provide for all that is according to his will and purpose. Um, another selling point, so, so there's, there's the sense of urgency and conviction. There's the sense of God's provision. Another selling point, it says that... Uh, uh, he said to my master, what if I can't find a young woman uh, who is willing to go back with me? And the, he, he shares his own reservations about the craziness of this idea. And uh, he said, Abraham responded, the Lord in whose presence I have lived will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. One of the cool things about being convinced of God's will and having a real certainty of God's will is we know that where God's will is, God's presence is. Right? As we walk in God's will, we walk side by side with God himself. And Abraham said, look, I have lived my life daily in God's presence. I know what it means to be in God's plan and to have the God of the universe walking with me. Right? He said, you don't have to worry about it. God is going to walk with you and he guarantees the accomplishment, the success of his purpose. Right? Um, when you're convinced of God's will like that, and you know that God will be present with you, you know he will walk with you in the midst of it, uh, it inspires confidence of those who also must follow along, that God's in this, right? God's in the midst of all this. Uh, the last thing that he does, he gives them a convincing testimony. Okay, God's confirmed this in his own life, but now he's got to confirm it for them. And so he retells the story, and I don't reread it, but he retells the story of, of his prayer, right? About the whole jug of water and watering the camels and how Rebecca came out at just that right moment and how she fulfilled the circumstances that he had put forth, right? And there's nothing uh, that, that moves people with power like the testimony of God's hand in the midst of something, right? God's hand confirming his will. Um, and what's interesting at the end of all this uh, you know, he, he 
presses them. Uh, what are you going to do, yes or no? And in verse 50, notice how Laban and, and, and Bethuel, uh, Rebekah's father, reply. They said, the Lord has obviously brought you here. Another translation or a better translation is the Lord is obviously in this. Right? It's clearly marked with God's hand on it. Uh, when, you, when you have that kind of conviction, when God has confirmed it that way, uh, when God has moved in circumstances in a supernatural and miraculous way, it's a lot easier to sell it to people, right? Because they see that God is doing this. And the truth is, God's will is not as mysterious as we often make it out to be, I think. Um, God wants us to know his purpose and will, and he makes it clear, right? Uh, now, we may have to wait on God for him to do that. He may not reveal his will on my timetable, which is a great frustration to me, right? I want him to tell me everything now. But I guarantee if we are careful to wait on God, to seek him to prayerfully lay all our agenda before him, God is going to make his will clear and he's going to confirm it in ways that make it obvious God's fingerprints are on it, right? We should never have to wonder Gee, I just don't know what God wants me to do. God will make it clear. And it will be in such a way that everyone who's around it is going to see the, the mark of God on it. Here's Laban. He's not a God worshiper. Right? He, he doesn't really know Abraham's God. But he's smart enough to see when God's hand is on something. And so he can follow. And he says, you know, what can we say? You know, we're not going to go against God. Well, finally, they, you know, it's one thing to know God's will. It's another thing to do it. Uh, and if we know God's will and don't do it, we will never receive more word of what God's will is. Okay? God's will unfolds as we obey. Right? So he gets up, it says he gets up the next morning, bright and early, and he says, send me back to my master. Okay? He says, let's go. Let's do this. Um, doing God's will. Uh, three short points on this one. First of all, God's will is always a free choice. There's always a free choice. Um, he gives his sales pitch. He gives his good PowerPoint presentation explaining God's purpose and will for their life. He says, you know, I came to get a wife. I think Rebecca's the one. God's marked it. But then he, he says this. He says, uh, Tell me, will you or won't you? Yes or no? Will you show kindness and faithfulness, faithfulness to my master? He gives them choice. Okay. Know this, God's will is not fatalism. Okay. God does not so impose his will on us that we have no choice. We always have choice. Right? And as God approaches us, he reveals his will to us, but he always asks us, yes or no? Uh, are you with me or not? Right? And we need to be careful as we become convinced of God's will that we give others space for choice, right? Maybe you've heard this, you know, well, God told me this is what we're going to do. And so you're stuck with it whether you want to or not. Have you ever heard that line? Okay, God's will never comes in that way. God's will always comes as a free choice. This is what we feel God wants us to do. Do you choose this? Are you in with this, right? Uh, Second thing, once they make that choice, uh, you should not procrastinate. Right? When you become convinced of God's will and you have made the choice to do it, do not procrastinate. Uh, 
Right? Uh, we can get ourselves in huge trouble when we know God's will and we've said yes to it. And we say, boy, when I get around to it, that's what I'm going to do. Right? When I get time, I'm going to do God's will. Okay? We need to be immediate and instant implementing the things God's called us to do. Right? Uh, he sets out the next morning. Let's go. Let's do this. Um, family's not quite so earnest. Uh, what the night before seemed like a good idea is still a great idea, but not something they're actually willing to do yet. Right? Uh, let's, let's not rush this. Right? Let's, let's have a party first. We want to spend some time with Rebecca. Well, a kind of debate ensues. And finally, <coughs> finally they said, well, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. So they called in Rebecca, are you willing to go with this man? They asked her, and she replied, yes, I will go. Yes, I will go. She, okay, this is not, notice she doesn't say yes, uh, I would go. Okay? There's a huge difference between I, I would do God's will, if I knew what it was, and I am going to do this specific thing. Uh, you know, for many years I had said, God, I will go be a missionary overseas. If you ever tell me to do that, sure, I would do that. When God said go, I said, yeah, I would do that. That's what I mean. I mean now. And I go, yeah, 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 I will do that someday. Right? Okay. Uh, doing God's will means saying, I am going to do it today. Not tomorrow, not next year, not when it's convenient. Uh, when God makes his will clear, he intends for us to do it today. And it's admirable that Rebecca, much like Abraham, many, many, many years ago, when God said to Abraham, leave your family and go to a land I will show you. The same call comes to Rebecca, and, and God says to her, Rebecca, leave your family and go to a land I will show you. And what does Rebecca do? She genuinely commits and yields herself fully to God's will. No small step on her part. Okay, no small step to go to a strange place. And she says, yes, I will go. And she committed herself to God's will. Um, you know, are we really committed to doing God's will? Um, this is an issue that God has brought back to my life repeated times. And the thing that surprised me every single time is I always felt, before God tested it, that I was absolutely committed to God's will. Right? Uh, first time was when God called me to be a pastor. And I was like, yeah, God, I will do anything for you. And God said, be a pastor. And I said, yeah, yeah, anything but that. Right? I'll do anything. Just tell me what your will is. It's not that. Right? God will always test that. Right? Are you really willing to do anything God asks you? God's will will never become clear to us until we decide, I will absolutely do anything and everything God calls me to. Okay? And the truth is, oftentimes God asks us to do things that in ourselves are not attractive, right? Uh, because God wants to torture us, right? God's looking at us, he's going, you're way too happy, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to stop to that, and I'm going to drag you off to do something that you're going to be miserable at, because that's who I am, right? No. Uh, the truth is, God knows what we want and need way more than we do, right? Uh, you know, look at Rebecca, what was before her. You know, she could have lived out her life, you know, basically a, just a normal person. And God says, you know, I have something so much bigger for you. 
And the reality is that oftentimes God's will is terrifying because it is so much bigger than what we would ever dream for ourselves. Right? He says, you have no idea. I'm going to make you, in fact, um, we'll see this next week, the blessing that comes to her is that she would be the mother of millions. Right? He says, you have no idea what I have for you. Uh, do you believe God? Do you believe in His goodness? The, the servant praised God over and over again because of God's unfailing love and goodness and faithfulness. Do you believe that? If you believe that, it's easy to say yes to God's will. If you don't believe that, it's impossible. It's impossible. You've got to know that God's heart for you is your, your best interest, that He wants you to be successful and the plans He has for you are far greater than anything you can imagine if you will just say, yes, I will do today what you call me to. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much that you, um, that you are sovereign, that you are all wise, and that from the beginning of creation to the end of time, you indeed have a plan that you have worked out. Um, and in the midst of that plan and in the midst of that sovereign will, you give us choice. And you are not in any way limited to accomplishing your will by our, our choices. But you give us freedom to enter in with you and partner with you um, to lay aside our own will and purpose and to take up your will. So Lord, we ask that you give us just great faith and confidence that your plan is the best and a, a true commitment and de determination to truly follow you. And Lord, help us to see those blind areas in our life where we've maybe deceived ourselves that, and convinced ourselves that, yeah, sure, we're, we're going to do your will. But in reality, we're holding back. And we're hanging on to the things of this world and not really letting go completely of our own agenda and saying, God, whatever you have for me, anywhere, anytime, any place, uh, I want your will. Uh, Lord, as Jesus taught us to pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my life, in every detail, God, may it conform to your will and purpose so that my life would ultimately give glory and praise to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.